lift heavy, sleep, and repeat. We call that our life cycle. Made a shirt about it, and it rings true with who we are as a podcast and a group. We are fortunate enough to have partnered with a company who can help us achieve one of those three key elements. Some sleep. They have a keto-friendly version of their delicious sleep aid drink, and we're loving it. It's a lightly flavored, eight-ounce anti-energy drink. You drink it roughly 30 minutes before you're ready to go to sleep, and you'll feel it help you into a deep, restful, all-night sleep. It provides some helpful elements to do so, including magnesium, GABA, and melatonin. When combined, you have a powerful tool for getting the impactful sleep that you and I so frequently don't get in our technology-driven, fast-paced lives. You can find it at some retail stores, but you can also purchase it online and get it shipped to your door. When you do, use discount code TKMC10, and you'll not only be getting 10% off, but you'll be helping support the Keto Man's Club. You can find the link to their website by going to theketomansclub.com. We're thankful to Sam for partnering with us, and we hope you'll benefit from use of their product the way we have so far. Hello and welcome to the Keto Man's Club podcast. We're glad you're here, where each week we talk about men's health and lifestyle. We do so with the foundation of the ketogenic diet and lifestyle. If you don't know what keto is, stick around and you'll find out. The podcast will bring you real honest fun. Each week we strive to uncover the tips and tricks that you can use in your everyday life to maximize your overall health. Find the clearest path to becoming the best version of yourself that you were meant to be. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Keto Man's Club podcast. My name is Chris. I'm one of your hosts. And as always, I'm joined by Alberto and Jim. Hi, guys. How's it going? Doing quite all right. Uh, trying to Life wrap is- up the year. Work is getting crazy busy. Just trying to suffer through one more day tomorrow so I can have a few days off. Maybe something. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jim, how about you? Um, well, as we talked about before we came on, it has been a good day. I've had uh, the opportunity to connect with some Old friends here in Southern Indiana, and actually hang out face to face, and uh, it, it it made for a, a much needed um, internal boost. So I'm very grateful to uh, have seen some friends and catch up and all of that. So it's a good day, brother. Very very good. I um, had a wonderful birthday yesterday. We're recording this the 22nd of December for those who are listening two or three weeks from now. Um, and, uh, so I had a, a great birthday, very, I, my gift to myself yesterday was to get, to uh, give myself no hard deadlines. Uh, it, it seems like a, a running theme for me lately has been that I'm either behind or constantly have a hard deadline that day for a podcast to come out, you know, either overnight or sometime during that day. And, uh, so yesterday, even though I had plenty of work that I could have been doing and I did some work. I didn't rush through any of it. I gave myself no um, no major deadlines. We had steak and uh, some Brussels sprouts for dinner and a little red wine. And it was just an enjoyable laid back day. We watched Christmas vacation uh, while we ate and uh, hung out a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's been good. It is Christmas week. Uh, <laughs> 
which is always a little odd whenever you work a job in customer service and uh and like <laughs> this week I'm not I'm I'm working both Christmas Eve and Christmas Day because of the way that they fall and what my work schedule is but I get time plus time and a half so I really can't complain too badly um because we get paid regardless because they are both holidays but uh, well you can complain but that would just be paid. it would be yeah exactly <laughs> exactly it would it would be point it it, it would be less fruitful for me to, to complain. So, uh, I, I won't, I, I will not mind the overtime pay roughly at, at that point. And, uh, I still, I, I got a four day weekend still. And so I'm, I'm not, I really am. I'm choosing not to complain. I'll say it that way. Well, uh, a couple reminders to our listeners real quickly, uh, make sure to, uh, to check out our new sponsor, Psalm. Uh, you heard the intro. Uh, you've heard it now, hopefully a couple weeks, uh, it, now. And, uh, we're really very grateful to Psalm for, for supporting us. So, uh, if you haven't, please check them out. They, uh, they have a, a, an excellent product that absolutely can help you sleep. Uh, and that's a major thing that we, we as a, a society need to work on. And so, um, definitely check them out. They've been gracious enough to support us. And when you support us uh, through using our discount code TKMC10, it supports the podcast as well as gets you 10% off. So thank you for that in advance. Um, we are thankful for their partnership. Uh, you can get links to SOM as well as all of our social media by going to theketomansclub.com. You can also connect with us via email, ketomansclubpodcast at gmail.com or by leaving us a, by sending us a text or leaving us a voicemail at 512-518-6161. I am trying to get some of this stuff out of the way, you know, right out the gate, just because we're really excited to have our guests here today. We will fully introduce Judy here in a moment, uh, after our shout outs, but, uh, that's really all I, I wanted to, to cover all the business stuff uh, here early and get it out of the way uh, just so that that's all done. Um, so let's get into shout outs uh, without delaying any further. And uh, Alberto, let's start with you. Uh, mine's pretty easy. Uh, our members in our group, uh, Eric Maz and Kyle Bell, our buddies mm. from Houston. I had to go head that direction for work for a couple of days and I was in their area and I gave them a shout and, you know, we all decided to get together to dinner and hang out and it was, it was good. You know, they, they made time of their schedule for me because I had nothing better to do, but sit in a hotel. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it was good to see them. I haven't seen those guys in about a year and a half. We, we figured it out. So yeah, it was, it was cool. Like, so like those guys are friends of ours, friends of mine, mm -hmm. glad to spend time with them. It was good. It's a good time. Yes, they are. Uh, they're good people. That's for sure. Um, and uh, Jim, let's go with you. I am so excited because as we were talking about before the show, you know, it seems like we always have no offense to anybody in the world, but mm, it seems like many of our members are from Texas <laughs> and my shout. You, yeah, I, I appreciate the laugh. It's okay. It's as a Hoosier. Yeah, it's, you're fine. My shout out. I actually picked this guy, Brian Hodge who's dropped um, 115 pounds in the last two years. He's gone from a size 48 to 36 waist. He's gone from a 3XL to a large. He is knocking it out. And guess what? He's from Monticello, Indiana. <laughs> Fellow Hoosier. <laughs> Fellow Hoosier. All the love to Brian Hodge. Love it. Um, great job. Big transformation. And the thing that 
actually gets me is he he had posted the picture up of his before and and now. And I think we've all been guilty of it at different times is that the before picture is never a like professional photo or like a, hey, look how good I am. It's one of those, I'm on the side, I'm wearing black, I'm hanging behind a door, I'm hanging behind three people, you can't really see me kind of things. So that was one of the things that caught my eye is, you know, he definitely had one of those before pictures and now totally different dude. So congratulations to Brian Hodge. Very good. Mine is very similar in regards to his uh, transformation. He, he he puts a a picture of him just standing there, um, but at the same it, but at the same time, you know, both both before and after, and and isn't hiding at all. Um, he he. Uh, my shout out is going to Jason Boulay. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, but that's my best guess based on the spelling. Um, he posted mid December that he was new to the group, that he found the group through the podcast, which we really appreciate. We're mm-hmm. seeing that more and more often. And that's so, so cool. Uh, he said, I thought I would say hello and how great it is to have this forum to share our experiences with keto. It's been great seeing everyone sharing. I thought I would share a little about me. I started keto in January of 2019. And am about to cross the two-year mark. These two years have been amazing and life-changing. I can't imagine eating any other way going, uh, anyway, going again. When I started, I established, or I, when I started, I was an estimated 475 pounds, and I'm currently 236. Not only have I lost half of me, but I reversed any signs of diabetes almost, uh, almost off my blood pressure meds. And just scheduled to have a paniculectomy uh, <laughs> for March 3rd. Uh, I honestly don't know what a panic. I'm going to have to look that one up. Uh, to, I look forward to being a part of this group and can't wait to uh, see what everyone else uh, keeps sharing. And it really is. It's night and day difference. You can definitely tell um, what uh, hard work he's doing there. And... Ah, there we go. Um, it, it's uh, a removal of the paniculus, which is a dense layer of fatty tissue within the lower abdominal region. So apparently a tummy tuck, more or less. And honestly, with the amount of weight that he's lost, he needs it. And I, I don't, I, I we, we talked with, uh, with Mark not too long ago and he had something similar and uh, that's something that's that, you know, when you lose half of you, <laughs> you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you you you've got to do a little little cosmetic things to to just make life bearable because i i can imagine that that even the best compression gear would make uh running or anything aerobic be uh painful because even the little bit of loose skin that i have is uh painful sometimes whenever i get running so good on you man we appreciate you being a part of the group and uh excited to see more and more people finding our group through the podcast it means the reach is getting out there uh, any other business to attend to before we dive into the story of Judy? I think just a quick reminder that um, this podcast will be out after the first of the year, but um, January always brings that renewed. I'm looking to get healthier. I'm lo- looking to lose weight. I'm looking to work out, whatever the case may be. So whatever the case is, um, check out 
the Keto Man's Club on Facebook. Check out the Keto 101 Man's Club on Facebook. If you are new to this way of eating, um, there's I, I just am so impressed every time I get on Facebook and look at what guys are sharing and commenting on and everything, and it's just all positive. So come join us. Um, we're we've got such a great group of men from all over the globe, literally. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of great stuff for sure. So if you're thinking about it, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, come join us in one of our groups and uh, let us help you out. Very good. And a little foreshadowing there, there may be additional services or options in that Mm -hmm. regard in the near future. So uh, stay tuned for all of that. We have a lot of details to work out before anything is set in stone or announceable, but be on the lookout for um, ways to, uh, to, to dive a little deeper. And that's all I'm going to say. Okay. (laughs) That's enough (laughs) of that. So uh, Alberto, you, I know Judy in passing, but I think you you know Judy a little bit better than I do. So I'm going to hand it off to you, and you can help us uh, with an intro there. Yeah, yeah, a friend of mine. I officially call her a friend. We've only met on a couple of occasions, uh, both meetups. So that's how you know it's a true friendship. And I'm holding in my hand her book, uh, which is called Carnivore Cure, The Ultimate Elimination Diet to Attain Optimal Health and Heal Your Body. And I would say that one of the most striking things is when you turn this over, the very first thing it says on the back underneath the title, it says, in America, an estimated one in four suffer from gut disease, one in 10 suffer from diabetes, four in 10 are obese, one in six suffer from an autoimmune disease. I can raise my hand there. One in five experience a mental illness and one in three have undiagnosed prediabetes. This is not okay. So that being said, I've been... Really, really looking forward to talking to you, Judy. Uh, I, I have started thumbing through your book and, and reading it in probably the most disorganized fashion you could possibly read a book, but it it, 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 it seems to work that way. So, uh, I mean, welcome to the show and uh, by all means, um, introduce yourself. Yes. Um, thanks for having me, guys. And thank you again, uh, Berto, for getting the book and supporting me. But yeah, it was um, a long time coming to make that book. And, you know, I started Carnivore about two and a half years ago, and there wasn't kind of a succinct place to get all the information. So that's sort of why I made that book. But let me introduce myself really quickly to your audience. So, hey, everyone, my name is Judy Cho. Um, on social media platforms, I am known as Nutrition with Judy, but I have a private practice in Austin, Texas. Uh, most of my clients are remote and virtual. So, I am a nutritional therapy practitioner. It's basically uh, I'm a nutritionist plus a little bit of holistic health. So that means working on lifestyle, working on managing stress, working on sleep and stress and so on and so forth. Um, I work with clients to get to root cause healing to make sure that, you know, why are, you know, for example, why is somebody not sleeping through the night? Maybe it's uh, more than just that they need some melatonin or some other things. And maybe it's that they need to work on the gut or they need to shift their macros in terms of fats and proteins and so on and so forth. Um, I suffered from an eating disorder for a really long time because I think a lot of it was attributed to my plant-based diet. I was pretty much pescatarian or um, eating just plants for about 12 years with an occasional fish. And I struggled with a lot of mood disorders, so I was severely depressed um, on most days than not. And then I had a child and things kind of just hit the fan. 
and I could no longer keep up the the way of like binging and purging and whatever other restrictive kind of mechanisms I was using to keep my and manage my weight. And then um, just not nourishing my body with the most nutrient dense foods, which are meat. Um, I just got really sick. And so during my maternity leave, I started digging into keto and I found a lot of healing with keto and then carnivore. And yeah, I just, um, I got my life back with a meat-based diet and I really just wanted to give back. Um, and I, on social media platforms have really been able to help people with like a lot of kind of visuals and explaining nutritional information and why, you know, meat-based may be um, really beneficial to start optimizing your health. And then it just kind of turned out to be a book. <laughs> is this your first book, Judy? So. I'm sorry, what did you uh, guys no, say? No, I was going to, I just asked, is this your first book that you've ever written? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I've journaled my whole life. I've always liked writing. I was a consultant, a management consultant for uh, like probably like 12 years. And I mean, there's a lot of writing with that as well. Um, but technically, yes, this is my first book. I've done a lot of blogs. I've been part of um, uh, like professional blog groups. So I would write articles for them. But this is my first uh, full length kind of book. Very cool. Uh, so the one of the things that Berto mentioned when we were we were queuing up and getting getting prepped for tonight was that you've got a large section towards the back of the book. Was it eight pages, Berto? Uh, eight pages. Eight pages of references, links of 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 all of the different places that you got information for everything that you're you're writing about in in the rest of the book tell us a little bit more about the process of gathering all of that information i'm sure that was not necessarily the most easy to do task yeah so yes it was a uh, pretty difficult actually so you know i would so i guess to rewind um i basically one example is i d started digging really deep about cholesterol because a lot of my um community would ask oh um you know, on a meat-based diet, my LDL is going up and my now doctor is telling me that I need to get on statins because my cholesterol is out of range. And so what is the deal about cholesterol? And so then, of course, I start doing a lot of research. And as I'm doing research, it's really easy to cite the websites that I'm visiting or the um, studies or the clinical evidence that I find. And so basically, um, what I would do, I felt like was the most effective way. Um, so there are some programs that you can just include a study and then they will reformat um, the study to be um, in the format for a book. So you can either use like APA, um, I use Chicago style, um, you can, you know, save up all that information. But I basically had hundreds of pages worth of links and studies that I used to, you know, come up with my kind of point of view for a meat-based diet. Um, and then you just kind of have to be very organized. It's um, it's basically like your catalog or your library of all the information and citing and sourcing it. Um, and I actually needed to get some help to even organize it in the way that is Chicago style friendly. So I had somebody that had to like alphabetize it and make sure, you know, all the um, the information was there to be in the format that people can easily grab. But, um, you know, truth be told, that's actually a truncated version. The original sightings that I had for the book was over 800 different resources and citations for the complete book. And then we had to cut down to make it even more brief to uh, be succinct for the book. But it's a process. I'd say that uh, the best way I would 
try to collect all the information is, you know, open up a document and just start saving every bit of information that you are gathering information from so that you are, you know, giving credit to the people that have done their own research to kind of um, help you prove your point. Um, But that's, you know, I would first start with, I guess, categories and saving the category and the evidence-based information I found under each category. And then eventually, as it became chapters, saving the different links and sources uh, for the varying chapters. And yeah, and then it became this whole bibliography and endnotes and so on and so forth. Judy, did you find that um, for all the good information that you found that there was inaccurate misinformation out there? Um, The reason I bring that up is because, you know, we have a lot of guys that come into our Facebook groups and follow the podcast and everything. And they're, they're looking for resources and they'll, they'll have found something somewhere on the web and, it's, it's, it's just not right. Right. It's like, where, yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you uh, went between the good and the bad and thinned out to get the quality information that provided you with the resources for the book. Yeah. So there's actually a section in the book where I say the danger or I say the power of, and then in parentheses, I say, and the danger of studies, right? So the thing is, um, a lot of people tend to just read the summary or the abstract or the conclusion of a study. And if you look a little bit closer, it really depends on how they're doing the study. So for example, how much, how many people were in the population of their study? Were they really just um, hyper-focusing on their types of diet? So when they say, for example, low carb, um, they may still be eating different carbohydrates. They may be eating really toxic fats, right? So seed oils, for example. And so the information isn't the same as a meat-based diet, for example. So you need to look at the very um, specific nuances. If you look at, for example, meta studies, so these people are collecting different studies and then synthesizing it for themselves, right? So in a sense, they can almost pick and choose certain studies that didn't fit their um, thesis and then just don't um, add it as part of the meta study. So there's all different kinds. There are studies where it's just, um, it's based off of like a correlation. So there's no exact causation or if it's not studied in a like a clinical setting like for example you cannot test on pregnant women if smoking is bad for them right so you start seeing all these studies and correlations of okay it probably is that there's a high correlation that smoking is really bad for pregnant women right so that's how some of the studies are done it's um, hyper focusing on um, maybe questionnaires, uh, just on population studies. And so again, as you kind of understand, and I talk about it a little bit in the book, but if you can understand how even studies are done, that's that would be the best one um, to understand and then get into the details. So not just, um, let's say a article says, XYZ study showed that uh, eating red meat causes heart disease. Well, then I would personally go into that study and then read how they even did that study, right? Is it a kind of just examining a population and then the results from a hospital and then kind of coming up with results? Or did they actually do a clinical trial, you know, and so on and so forth. And that's really how you start digging into studies that are kind of flawed. Um, Are they just extrapolations and um, so on and so forth. So that's really kind of at the core of how you can start breaking down studies. Um, But the thing is, you know, if you think about why people make studies, they're trying to prove their hypothesis. So there will always be a little bit of bias, right? So you have to think that when people are getting paid to prove something, that they're going to try to make that happen. And so that is a little bit of the danger of studies. And so 
really like the way that I try to argue a lot of my book is based on, okay, so here are all the reasons why people say we should be consuming a bunch of vitamin C. Well, let me kind of counter that and see if we even really need it rather than just trying to argue based solely on studies for the reasons I just brought up. Interesting. So for our listeners, uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll back it up just a little bit if they're not familiar with it. Um, if they were to to pick up this book and look into it, like in as simple as, as you could possibly try to explain it, like what did, what do they what should they expect out of out of getting through this book? Yeah, so Carnivore Cure is, um, I would say it fits for three different kind of buckets of people. First is if you have been doing carnivore for a long time and you are finding that it doesn't work fully for you. So for example, if you're waking up in the middle of the night, um, maybe you still have loose stools. Uh, for those people, there are little nuances that you can kind of try and little rabbit holes you can kind of go down. And maybe these are the reasons why it's not perfectly working for you. Um, the second I guess, group of people could be for people that are really sick, uh, that maybe suffer from an autoimmune, that are reacting to dairy, uh, different types of meats that may have higher histamines. And so there's an elimination protocol. So for the really sick that, hey, here are the cleanest meats that in general, um, I've seen in my practice um, in studies that have the least sort of reaction from a food sensitivity perspective. So uh, there's that, and then how to slowly introduce other kinds of foods, other ways to test food sen- sensitivities within the book. And then there's also just for the beginner. So there's a basic FAQ. There are um, different nutrient tables for here's all the meats that have vitamin C or that have magnesium or that have B6. Um, there is a table of just nutrient profiles, uh, what kind of macros to eat, right? So if you're 150 pounds, Here's a sample menu for somebody that can eat 70% uh, fat or that can consume 80% fat. It really covers everything. So if you even wanted to reintroduce plants, there is a list of like the safest plants um, considering all anti-nutrients. What are anti-nutrients? That's also covered in the book. It covers genetically modified foods. So, you know, maybe GMO foods aren't the healthiest for you. Here's the reasons why. Uh, why sugar may not be the healthiest for you, how it impacts your brain, how it could actually um, exacerbate an eating disorder, and how it can actually be considered an addiction. Uh, I talk about the importance of the gut. And I mean, really, there's even a whole chapter on holistic health. So I try to make sure that, you know, not only is food important, but also is sleep, so is stress management. Um, You could do these other hormetic effects like exercise and fasting and all these other areas. But it's really supposed to be a guide like you know, I think Berto, um, he kind of alluded to it, but you could almost read specific chapters um, on its own. And if you ever want to come back later to, for example, like there's a chapter on hormones and being zero carb, and it talks a little bit about menopause. Um, you know, if you're a woman and you're really young, you don't care for that, but you can always come back to that. Like if your mom's having trouble or something. So uh, it really covers holistic health for pretty much everyone that's uh, curious about a meat-based diet. Yeah, I was really surprised when I was thumbing through this uh, chapter seven, how to eat plants. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a, some really good information in there. And, and I, I mean, I'm sure it's much appreciated, but what uh, what was the idea behind? I mean, you could have eliminated that whole chapter. Now, yeah. I would have noticed, but you threw it in there. So what was kind of the idea behind that? Yeah. So the thing is that a lot of people that eat meat based, they're not choosing it just to be like a biohacker and like, I'm going to live forever and eat the cleanest foods that are the most bioavailable, right? So a lot of people come here because they're really sick. And then as they're healing, their first question to me that one of the most common questions I get is, okay, what plant foods can I try to add back to see 
if I've built resiliency, if I just feel a little better, or I just want a little bit of flexibility, um, and just being able to try different foods. And so, you know, the thought is fine, if you really want to eat nuts and seeds, which are probably the most harmful for gut health, um, any, any foods that have lectins, phytates, and oxalates, which are, again, um, anti-nutrients. So if you think of gluten, that's a type of anti-nutrient. Those are probably the most harmful for our health. But there are some people that still want to eat that food. So then it's like, fine, if you're going to eat it, here are at least the best ways to properly prepare it so that you can eat it, right? So I'm trying to be realistic. I don't want to say, well, sorry, the only way you can eat is meat-based. And if you're not going to eat meat-based, then this book is not for you. It's really just here's the best way to get to optimal health. And if you still choose after, you know, the the chapter on plants and how it may not be, be- beneficial for your health, um, how genetically modified foods, which are typically plants, are not ideal for your health. But if you still choose to eat it, well, then here's the best way to eat it. And that's why I felt like it was a chapter that should still be included. So an interesting thing, I guess, to to that we often ask from a different angle is what, mm-hmm. what have you found surprising on your, your journey with keto as you've done this research, has there been anything that's really jumped out at you or as you were putting together the book or your, or just, or even your personal journey that has really caught you off guard and surprised you as far as uh, kind of just came out of nowhere and you're like, okay, we know this now and I'm better for it because of it. Um, I'd say a lot of the research actually, but one thing I could specifically bring up is fiber. So, you know, we are always told, well, for good gut health, you need to eat a lot of fiber. And the reasoning is that fiber produces, uh, or fiber then, um, has short chain fatty acids, which then can produce like the butyrates and, um, other gut nourishing, uh, nutrients. And that is a true fact. But if you look deeper into the word butyrate, it's um, actually butter is derived from the word butyrate. So, you know, we have come to think that the best way to get short chain fatty acids like butyrate and another one is, I think, um, um, vinegar. Um, It's another, I think it's acetate, but we come to think of it that it's from plants, right? So we think, okay, so we need to eat fibrous foods to get the short chain of fatty acids to get like nourishing butyrate, but that's where butter is derived from, right? So we think of, you know, to get uh, lots of iron, we can eat spinach, but all and even vitamin A, but all of these plant foods, um, if you want to get the form that is bioavailable that our bodies can absorb, they all have to go through these conversion processes to even get to the form that can be uh, bioavailable to our bodies. But for example, with butter, it's in the butyrate form. And so if you eat it, it just can be a short chain fatty acid support for the gut. Right. So you have to wonder why have we come to learn or think that these plant foods are the ones that will give us all this nourishment, right? Like the vitamin A and carrots. Well, a lot of people don't have the genetic makeup to break down vitamin A to be the bioavailable, absorbable form that we can consume. Why don't we just eat liver, which has way more vitamin A than any beta carotene that you may even possibly break down and convert to vitamin A that your body can use. So I would say fiber is one for sure. Um, we think it's from plant foods, but I would argue that you can get butyrate from a lot of dairy. So some certain cheeses, but really you could get it from butter and it's in the most bioavailable form. So that, that'd be one for sure. 
Judy, you just said something a moment ago about how our body breaks down different, you know, fats and things like that. Is it, does everybody have a different gut health, just like they have a different fingerprint and everything? Or is there, where are the consistencies and where are the differences? Yes. So there are, you know, it, based on certain studies, there are kind of, you know, the the thing is there are billions and billions of strains uh, for gut health. Um, And so I do believe that our bodies are very different. And so maybe I need a little extra bacillus strain versus you needing the lacto or the the strep version. Um, But I think in general, you just, so this is why I always say the most important thing is to um, really listen to your own body. So I think in general, there are certain probiotics, for example, that may be beneficial for our gut health, but basically what may work for you may not work as well for me. And it'll depend on our genetics. It'll depend on where our metabolic health was before we met keto. Um, It'll be based on our age, our sex, all of those things. And so at a certain point, as you are healing your gut, if you don't have any symptoms in your own body, so you're wake, you're sleeping through the night, um, you have like, you know, pretty consistent stools. It's not like if you eat higher fat one day that all of a sudden you're on the toilet all day long. Um, all of those signs are indications of health. So your body is, that's the whole biofeedback form. And if it's showing that, hey, I can eat 80% fat one day, I can eat pretty much all bone marrow and I'm still feeling good, then that's an indication that your gut biome is healthy and you don't have to worry about these little nuances about the fingerprint or, uh, you know, all the specific things that you're talking about. What really matters with me and what I work with my clients is, you know, how, how your symptom is, uh, your symptoms are and how the feedback from your body is, um, on this specific diet, if that makes sense. It does. It does. So is there a way for, you know, us as individuals to determine what we need for our gut health. I mean, if you've got somebody who struggles with, you know, diarrhea, constipation, whatever mm-hmm. the case may be or whatever, I mean, how do they know how do they know how to tune into the right things, the right probiotics or whatever to take care of those things? Sure. So, when I work with clients, um I give them a symptom burden analysis and so basically what it is is it's like 300 and like 70 questions and it goes through every single area of the body. So, it'll talk about ty- digestion, um it talks about blood sugar balance, adrenals, hormones, um libido, all of those things. So, there's a bunch and then the system basically aggregates all the data and then based on that data, based on your symptoms, I'm able to see where certain parts of the body needs more support. So for example, there are four parts of the digestive process. So if you think about it, your upper GI, that's where your, you know, the stomach is. Um, if you don't have enough stomach acid or if your pH of your stomach acid is sits at a higher level. So for example, if you've been taking antacids for most of your life, then when you are eating your foods, you may not be digesting your food. So one of the symptoms may be, hey, it after I eat, my stomach is really full and it, I don't get hungry for a long time. And I feel like the food is just literally rotting in my stomach. So that's a different symptom than someone that's saying later, like, hey, I have loose stool. So after I eat um, a little bit of fat, like a ribeye with a little bit of butter, I notice that I have to be on the toilet for hours. Um, that's a different symptom than somebody that feels that their stomach is not uh, emptying out properly, right? So based on multiple symptoms, then I can kind of address, okay, if it's stomach specific, 
here are some maybe supports you could use in the beginning to sort of improve that. And the best gauge will be the person, right? So they'll say, okay, yeah, now my stomach. So if I, for the stomach person, if I were to give them a little bit more hydrochloric acid or um, more stomach acid so that they could break it down, or if it's their gallbladder, so they're not digesting their fat or they don't have enough bile to break down their fat. And I give them some gallbladder support. Everyone will be different in that way. So And the best test is in a few months time as they're changing their macros, um, eating meals differently, and then also taking different supplements, whether it's a probiotics or a gallbladder support or an ox bile, or a little bit more hydrochloric acid based on their needs, um, their symptoms, if they're healing, it'll show improvement. Yeah. Yeah. So Judy, that kind of brings up something that we, we've touched on before previously, but something that I think, uh, deserves a call out. You're talking about, okay, here's something that you need to do. You're going to do it for months and then we'll test again. It's similar to me on my TRT protocol. I get tested every three to six months to make sure that I'm on track, that my my levels are where they need to be. And it took about a year of consistent quarterly checks of protocol and slight adjustments one way or another to find my sweet spot to get my hormones where they need to be. Is that pretty much standard for you and what you do with your clients? And is that something, um, is that something that, that, you know, as listeners that they should take into account when they try to change something? I, I feel like a lot of us, I'm been guilty of this. We'll try something for a week. And at the end of a week, we're going, I don't feel any better or I didn't see a change or I didn't lose right. any weight. And so t- talk to that a little bit about the, the time necessary to put in to see real change. Yeah. So I have a graphic on Instagram and I guess all my sh- social media platforms where I show how different cells take a long time to even regenerate or to, you know, heal. And so the thing I always tell my clients is, Hey, you didn't get sick overnight, so you shouldn't expect to heal overnight. Now, if you are really sick, so if you have really bad gut health issues, you um, can't sleep through the night just because you have really bad sinus issues. And so maybe taking some supports will immediately help. Uh, that's not as common, but for some of the people that struggle with loose stools, I have been able to help them relatively quickly. But with all that said, honestly, a lot of my working with my clients is a psychology thing. So it's a little bit of, yes, yeah, so like two weeks in or three weeks in, they're saying, I've been eating so clean. I've been eating your elimination diet. I've been taking your supports and I I feel a little better, but not much better, right? So I think it's this society we live in where it's like instant gratification, right? We can order something on our phone and it's there the next day. And I think we've become a culture where patience is not a virtue. And so, yes, uh, definitely I see the people that have a positive mindset and they're just focused on healing those are the people that long-term seem to heal, um, I guess, more permanently. So I have some clients that initially may feel great, and then maybe they kind of slip on the supplements or they start you know, adding a little bit of plant-based foods when they're not fully ready to take it in. And then they're like, well, I'm regressing. I'm not feeling as good. It's not really working. And I really want to be like, well, what all did you include back in your diet? But you know, it's a game of okay, well, let's try to dial back. Let's see what's going on. And then kind of, you know, uh, pinpoint what is the issue. And oftentimes it's the lack of patience, right? It's the, I expected to get better overnight. And the thing with the carnivore and keto diet that I've noticed is that 
you know, when we remove a lot of the toxic foods, we feel really good really quickly. And then the thing is, and then our body, I think, balances out, right? So maybe we become more complacent about the diet, so we're not being as strict. Or maybe it's that our body finally kind of adapts and then some of the core issues or the root cause issues we had start coming back after a few months in. And then people, I think at that point, they sort of want to give up of like, oh, this diet doesn't work on to the next. But the thing is, as we are getting closer and closer to root cause healing, maybe we just need to use levers, you know, like you said, like the quarterly check-ins to see what else may need a little bit more dialing in because you're that much closer to root cause healing. Um, I don't think any bit of sugar or plant-based foods is the answer to start healing whatever may seem like it's not functioning as perfectly. Yeah, that's that's very interesting. And uh, I think it's uh, one of, I know uh, Dr. Sean Baker said it, and uh, this isn't an exact quote, but uh, I just love it. He just said, uh, some long lines of your daily human performance is the best indicator of your overall health. And right. that was just one thing that he, he probably said in a podcast or in passing somewhere, and it just kind of stuck with me. But uh, but to your point of what you were just saying, you know, I have ulcerative colitis. We've I've, you've heard about it. I've talked about it many yeah. times on this on this show, and I'm I'm still in a lot of the support groups, and and I've said on the show before too, and it like absolutely kills me the amount of times I just see people post like, "What can I ask my doctor to give me just so I can eat whatever I want?" And it's like it's like the mindset, and and it comes up way too many times and you know you try to hint diet at people and then they just think you're absolutely nuts and you know then you know I, I go in there and as politely as possible just like kind of post what I've been eating and talk a little bit about carnivore your, the picture of your book is showing up there quite a few times because I'm posting pictures of that too and it and thank you it's uh it, it's just the weirdest thing how you know you're talking about the individual and and they just want to take the the easiest the, the path of least resistance to try to get through it. And I'm like, you know, this is, this is your health. And, you know, they'll, they'll see some of the stuff I eat and some of the comments like, well, I could never eat red meat. You know, it, it doesn't sound like you could never eat red meat now. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't right. mean it can't change. Technically I'm allergic to eggs. I took a blood allergy test years ago and my number two allergy was eggs. And I mean, I've been eating six to 12 eggs a day for years now. So I, I like try to tell you that it's an evolution. It's going to start slow. You can't just start this diet tomorrow and assume by next week, you're going to be feeling like a million bucks. So it's it's a hard thing to get through to people. Yeah. And I think the issue is that when people come to this diet, you know, you hear all these success stories, and then you hear these like, ama- yeah, these amazing success stories. And so people kind of want this overnight success, right? And if they don't get it, or if they notice that they have issues that they never thought they would, then they just immediately blame the diet instead of hey, maybe I should tweak things, right? So if you remove a lot of the processed foods, you're already winning. But maybe you need to dial a little bit um, certain things, like whether it's macros, whether it's meal times, whether it's um, cutting down some of the stress in your life. But a lot of those things um, are at play. And it's just unfortunate when they want to remove things in the diet. Um, you know, to your point, I was talking, uh, my my son, he was eating some you know, carbohydrates and then he ended up having hives. And my husband was like, well, we should give him Benadryl. And I said, no, he has to go through it because then he understands here's the consequence of eating these kinds of foods. And so I think for a week afterward, he was so scared of eating any carbohydrate because he was like, oh, I know if I eat seed oils or um, so he ate like noodles with some seed oils. And so he was scared of seed oils and he was scared of carbs because he knows, hey, if I eat that, I may end up getting hives and start scratching my body. But I could have given him the Benadryl and tame his immune system. But what's the benefit in that? Right. So 
his body's clearly saying, hey, I'm not happy with the food you're feeding me. And so I'm going to react and I'm giving you my feedback that I'm not happy. And if we give a medicine or some type of band-aid to just kind of mask the symptoms, well, eventually it can cause a bigger issue. And I'd rather my kids experience that momentary pain so they're aware hey, maybe this food isn't as ideal for me, right? And so I think that's what most of us do now is, okay, as soon as we don't feel good, let's pop a Tylenol, let's pop some heartburn medicine. And the thing is, those are both very damaging to the gut. And so years on out, when we are now suffering from a gut disease, maybe it was a Tylenol that we've been popping every day, right? Or the Advil or the NSAIDs, or maybe it's the PPIs that have removed all our stomach acids. So now we can't even digest the foods in our gut. And so, yeah, I, I think it's um, it's really, really unfortunate, but that's what standard care has become. It's become this, let me treat your symptoms so you keep coming to me and I can make more money. You talk about the gut health repeatedly, which I greatly appreciate. So with the supplements and things like that, can most anybody reverse gut health issues and get back to where they should be? Or are the supplements things that will be part of their daily intake moving forward kind of thing? It depends on the person. Um, for I would say that for most people, especially with your diet and lifestyle, that you can end up removing the supplements. So case in point, I have one client, she had C. diff and she, um, you know, that's one of the most severe gut diseases that they allow you to do a fecal matter transplant. So you can literally switch your biome with someone else. And in America, they only approve certain diseases in the gut that allows you to do that. And it's the most serious ones. Um, so people actually die from this disease and all that stuff. But she took some antibiotics in the beginning. And then she worked on with me on a gut healing protocol. And she's done some other functional tests. And she, her gut is cleaner than most people I know. Um, and so she's basically ready to now no longer and really, at this point, she's only taking some probiotics and um, I think some digestive enzymes. But I think she's ready to uh, remove these supplements. And now she, as long as she's eating a clean diet, which she is, she's eating a meat-based diet. And unfortunately for her, she may have to just eat meat-based for the rest of her life. I don't know. She will have to, you know, try to introduce other plants and see how that affects her gut. But yes, a clean diet, if you have done it well and taking care of your body and then also healing the gut, then you shouldn't essentially need these supplements for the rest of your life. You should not. Oh, that's fantastic. That's good to hear. It's a, as was the first thing, uh, the first chapter, once I stop bouncing around <laughs> the book, it, it is going to be chapter two. It all starts in the gut and I will be, you know, sharing a bunch of that. And I, I don't know, I'm just blown away by this. I mean, you're, you're an awesome person. We, you know, we've hung out a couple of times. And oh, this, thank you. you know, s- stepping back, how you said you were, so I couldn't, I could never even imagine you being depressed just from, you know, my few interactions <laughs> with you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, I was severely depressed. And, you know, my eating disorder really exacerbated it. There were a lot. I mean, I was just saying this on a different podcast, but I used to be in the bathroom and I just like I hated living and I had every materialistic thing I wanted. um, So many things, but I was in such a dark place. And, you know, outwardly, it was like, oh, you're plant based. You look so healthy. Life is so good. And No, I was severely depressed. And there were days that I just no longer wanted to live. And it took me to have my own kids to realize I need to get my crap together. And I never once thought it was my diet. And after getting really, really sick, I was uh, taken to a eating disorder facility. And they taught me a lot about self-worth. And that's why I'm really, really into holistic health, because you 
a diet is so important to change your body, but you also need to heal your mind. Um, and in there, though, I realized that my diet was wrong. And I realized that some of their practices is wrong, right? For example, they are totally okay if you're vegan. But if you were to say you're low carb, they're completely against it. So, you know, that's when I started questioning some of the diet piece. And that was all it took. Like I was on antidepressants, they put me on antipsychotics, I had to stop nursing because I was on these really, really heavy mental medications. Um, they told me I would have to take antidepressants for the rest of my life. And I thought, wow, like, why, why was I, you know, given this lot in life where I have to be mildly depressed and I have to take medications to be basically normal. Um, and then I changed my diet and I ate meat and it like changed my life and it gave me my life back. Um, I used to obsess about food. Like, what can I eat next? What have I eaten today that, that can afford me the calories for my next meal? And that used to be 24 seven. And now I'm no longer on any medications. I never have bouts of depression and I'm present with my family. And that to me is more than enough of a reason to say that a meat-based diet works, but I knew that I needed to bring the science and that's what I try to do with the book. So let, let's, let's dig, let's, let's, um, let's tap into what you were just talking about for a few moments, because this is, this is important, I think, uh, for our listeners to hear and, um, and whatnot. But if you were to get the chance to speak to Judy, when mm -hmm. you were in that space where your doctors are telling you, you're going to be on drugs for the rest of your life, just to be normal and all of that stuff. Right. What, knowing what you know now, what would you tell Judy? Um, I would say that, you should eat meat. Um, I didn't eat meat for 12 years and I didn't know that it was affecting my mood. Um, I would say, you know, it's not you. I did so much self-blame, like what's wrong with me? Why am I not strong enough? Why can't I just say no to binging or restricting or over-exercising? Like it was always me or I wasn't strong enough or I wasn't good enough. And, um, if I knew that back then, um, if I had just eaten meat to, nourish my body and then be able to then nourish my mind, I wouldn't have had the hell that I went through. And I mean, that's why I give back. I think that, you know, the reason why I focus on so much of the gut health is that most of our neurotransmitters are created in our, um, our gut. So if your small intestine is uh, compromised, if you struggle with autoimmune, or if you have a lot of immune allergy issues, um, all of that's in the gut. If your immune system is weak, then and you get sick often, I would look at healing the gut because again, 80 to 90% is in your gut. And so for me, um, when I wasn't eating enough meat and not um, having enough of the fats and, um, and having just compromised gut health from just eating so many toxic nuts and grains and plants, you know, I didn't know I wasn't creating enough neurotransmitters. I mean, 90% of your serotonin is produced in your gut. And yes, it cannot pass the blood brain barrier, but they are all chemical, you know, they all co converse through the chemicals. And so all of them, all of the neurotransmitters in the body work together. And I know that because I wasn't nourishing my body, I was not in a good place mentally. And I never knew that. And instead, I would just blame myself and be hard on myself for why can't you get yourself together, Judy? Why can't you just not binge? Why can you not just eat cleaner, or be stricter, right? And it's just, no, if I just had eaten a little bit of meat and fat and focused on healing and doing good for my body instead of eating these processed foods that I thought were so good for me, um, I could have had 10 years of my life back.
So what's in your fridge and what's on your plate? (laughs) So I eat about two meals a day now. I don't think eating one meal a day is ideal just because one, it's a tax on the gut health, right? So if you think about it, one, you're trying to shove all the food at once um, in your gut and um, you just have a you just have a better chance if you're trying to hedge your bets type of thing. Um, if you eat two meals a day, there's two different times that your body can maybe digest and absorb the food. So I eat twice a day. Now I used to eat once a day and it just did not work for me. Um, I eat about 80, 75 to 80% fat. So um, on most days I eat ribeye, I eat egg yolks, I eat a lot of eggs. Um, so I eat egg yolks. I try not to eat a ton of the egg whites because one, it's pretty much just protein. And then uh, most of the allergens in eggs are in the egg whites. So it's the albumin in these eggs. Um, And then we eat a lot of grass-fed butter. Uh, I try to eat liver once, at least once a week. So I'll do some cod liver, chicken liver, beef liver. Actually, we don't really eat beef liver. I'm not a big fan of it. But uh, we'll do the chicken liver pâtés, the cod liver, and then we eat a lot of fish. So I think that a lot of my clients are actually deficient in fatty acids. So that's the omega-3s, DHA, EPA. So if you feel like you have a lot of dry skin, uh, your muscles are really achy when you're like climbing up the stairs, that may be an essential fatty acid deficiency. I've seen a lot of healing with clients either taking some fish oil supplements um, or if they start consuming about four servings of fish a week. So that's like the salmon, the fatty salmon, salmon roe, um, eating sardines with the bones intact. That's where you can get some of the calcium. So I try to get uh, fish in pretty often. We do bone broth a lot. Um, If you are very sensitive to gut health, then bone broth may not be beneficial for you initially. And you may want to stick to like meat stock, which is basically just cooking meat for a little bit and then drinking the broth for the minerals. But that's pretty much what I eat in a day. I have about a pound and a half of meat, Um, again, 75 to 80% fat. So it'll come either as tallow, uh, bacon fat, or I'll um, do a lot of butter. Uh, in our fridge, we have um, my we have organic apples just because my kids sometimes wants fruits, but um, I'm not a big fan of fruit anyway, so I don't eat that. But my kids eat a lot of raw goat's milk. So goat's milk is the closest to human breast milk. And raw milk is the best in the sense of it has all the enzymes, the antibodies that, you know, just comes from the animal. And so instead of drinking pasteurized milk, which basically kills a lot of the um, enzymes, and then they have to fortify our milk with vitamins and minerals, you know, you're basically getting the real thing. And there are studies that show that kids that consume raw goat's milk or raw milk, cow's milk, uh, they actually grow to be taller than their cohorts. So it's just something to think about. I don't personally drink it. I try not to um, consume sugar because I feel like it feeds my sugar gut bugs, but you know, my kids eat it and they're thriving off it. So, and lots of meat in the freezer, lots of meat in the freezer. Yeah, I didn't know that about goat's milk. That's that's uh, I yeah. Have to find out who your source is because if they're close to you, that means they're close to me. Yep, same <laughs> right. here. No, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's um. So some people that can't tolerate uh cow's milk, they should try raw goat's milk because again, it's the makeup of the amino acids are more closely aligned and um, it's easier on the gut uh for humans. That's that's good to know. We're learning a lot. So <laughs> <laughs> so I mean now obviously you're you're being you're well known for for this book that you came out, but uh, for our listeners that don't know, you're you're also known for for some a little different prior to this, as known as the Carnivore seventy five hard. All right. So uh, plenty of guys in the in our group are are very familiar with it. A lot of our guys run with it, but uh, for those that aren't, why don't you give a, a quick rundown of of what that was all about? Yeah. All about? So 
Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, that's how I met you, Berto. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that was a great time. But basically, I guess this time last year, um, I was working on the book. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that I, you know, had enough steam through the holidays that I wouldn't try to dabble into like keto treats and stuff. And so I, uh, my husband introduced me to Andy Frisella. He said, listen to this 75 hard. So Andy Frisella, he's this like motivational speaker, I think he has a supplement line. Um, and he basically created this challenge of like five different components. And so basically, I, um, I did a spinoff of carnivore. So the first one is nutrition, where it's about eating just meat based, um, eating nothing, no sugar, so no sweeteners. Um, if a meat has any type of dextrose, um, any bit of sugar added to it, it's off the table. Um, and then and then there was about fasting. So, you know, I talk about these different five components. So the other one is fasting where you fast for about 16 hours. And um, again, it's just to give a rest to the digestive system. And then there's like mindfulness. So you can do, um, you can say uh, gratitude. Uh, so what are the some of the things that you're grateful for? And then there's community where you say, um, you know, give a general, genuine compliment to someone else. So the thought is, hey, if you do something kind for someone, then you're giving back to the community. The community will then, you know, be kind to other people. And then it's just like this domino effect. There's also exercise. So this was really from Andy Frisella. Um, I think his was much longer, but I care about endocrine or the adrenal health. So I don't want to overexercise. And so for me, it was just 30 minutes of exercise, 15 minutes indoor, and then 15 minutes has to be outdoor. And it's really a mindful a mindset challenge, right? So if you're doing this during the holidays, some people live in like zero degree weather. So how are you going to go and do exercise for 15 minutes outside? And so the thought is, figure it out, right? So, hey, you're not going to figure out, you're not going to know the weather every day, but, you know, um, you know, maybe you go out for two minutes, walk on your porch and then come back inside. I don't care what the weather is, but if you can do this for 75 days, that shows your resiliency, shows that you can do anything you put your mind to. And that's really the whole purpose of it, right? So it went through Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's Eve. It's the period where most people gain a lot of weight because they, you know, fall off their diets and they're like, I'm going to start new New Year's Day. But you know, this diet or this carnivore 75 hard, basically it ended on January 1st. So there were so many people that they were their best ever on New Year's Day. And that was, um, now it's a free program. I have a free course that basically everything that has to do with carnivore 75 hard, you can get access to. Um, There's a free community cookbook. Uh, There's free kind of mindset tools you could use like cognitive behavioral therapy. So, you know, what's your why? Why do you want to even do this? Um, if you're struggling with sugar, you could create these if this and then do that kind of statement work. So it's a lot of prep work bef- uh, beforehand that works on mindset. So basically, you are ready and able to do this mental fitness challenge, which is really hard during the holidays. But if you could do this, it basically shows you that, hey, you can do anything that you put your mind to. Yeah, that's a, a really incredible program. And, and, and I, 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 I honestly haven't done 75 hard in, in any variation because well i'm not ready for it like i don't have that much self-discipline yet and it takes a lot of self-discipline right um one of the things that i've been seeing coming up uh in in other circles is the wim hof method he's kind of the the godfather the, the latest godfather of ice baths and and sure. using physical discomfort 
And, and yes, Siri has kind of come alongside him. They did a, a documentary with him a year ago and, and uh, recently uh, they made a, a short visit to him. Um, and, and one of the, the really cool, and he just came out with a book and has an app and things like that that can help you with using his method in a safe way in, in the safety of your home, things like simple, short, cold showers. And it isn't about the cold shower. It's not about the metabolic things that happen when, with your body whenever you uh, take the cold shower. It's about the mental discipline of putting yourself into a situation where you are uncomfortable and right. proving your, to yourself that not only can you do something that's uncomfortable, but you can also push through and, and find deeper levels of that discomfort. Uh, one of the challenges in this most recent video on Yes Theory they had done a 10-minute ice bath, which is super, super long to begin with, 10-minute uh, ten, ten ice bath uh, previously in the previous documentary, and they pushed uh, the, the Yes Theory team member to do, the, to, to do it for 11 minutes, to push past his previous record, which had, uh, had previously been really, really hard. And this time around, he was like, okay, yeah, I'm ready to get out. But he wasn't like crazy, like jumping out super fast. He just... He had so much more control this time, and you can tell that these things really play a role. So something like Carnivore 75 Hard or 75 Hard or Wim Hof Method, these intentionally these, these intentional moments where you put yourself through something difficult so that you come out through on the other side as stronger, oh my gosh, there's got to be something there to that. And yeah. so- uh, I, I think it's just really great that you came out with that and, and, and that you, that you spearheaded it. You didn't, you, you made your own twist to it, but like you said, you didn't make up 75 hard. Right. Not the 75 hard. I mean, I definitely changed it. So the carnivore 75 hard, the five components aren't the same as, um, for Sella. So I'm sure he was like, not happy. I did that. Like he said, I think he recommends like drinking like a gallon or I forgot how much or like and reading a book. And those were not part of mine. I just took his, okay, let's stick to 75 days because the logic is there are arguments that say, hey, it takes two weeks for a habit to stick. Other people say it's 66. Well, you know, let's cover all the bases and let's make it 75. Um, we started a week before our Halloween. So it covered all the holidays. So I thought it was like a perfect time to just kind of, you know, do everything. And it, you know, the thing is it, really really caught uh fire and it was i think there was over 5000 people and maybe even more that you know started it and of course not all of them completed it because it is hard and it is hard and i noticed like every holiday there were less and less people sharing about it so it was really interesting but you know just to your point i think there are so many things that are so important about the mindset like one if people watch the movie heal on netflix it talks about there's all these serious, serious diseases where the doctors basically have written off saying, sorry, you're going to be in a wheelchair forever. Or you're going to be sick forever. And these people said no. And they use their mind to imagine healing and imagine all of these things. And they did heal. And that is the power of our mind, right? So, you know, when we're talking about gut health, um, it really depends on the person. So when I say that, it's some of it is how, you know, strict they adhere to a diet, but it's also how much do they believe that they're going to heal, right? How much does this supplement work or this meat work to heal the person? And I think that is so important. Um, as an example, when um, a new medicine comes out, the the drug companies, they are required to show that there's efficacy beyond the placebo effect. So that means that when a 
study is run by this medicine, a lot of times the medicine, um, these sugar pills show that it works and the person actually feels better. And that is the power of the mind, right? So they're eating a sugar pill, but they show improvement in whatever they're trying to search for. And that just shows how important the mind is in wanting to heal. So a lot of my support for my clients is the diet is trying to lower their stress, but it's also the mindset of getting them to believe and having the hope that they can heal because that is such a huge, huge component in healing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, We want to honor your time. And as we've been experiencing with several of our recent uh, conversations, we, uh, we, we we're, we're over an hour at this point and, uh, and I, I feel like we could go on for two or three hours more, just digging in deeper and deeper and deeper into this stuff. Uh, let's go ahead and, and end it right there before we get any deeper <laughs> and, 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 and find any more rabbit trails to, to follow, because I think that, that again, we, we could just keep going. What, um, You've mentioned them in passing already, but go ahead and uh, summarize again for us the best ways to get in contact, to connect with you, your websites, if they are looking for nutritional therapy uh, that you that you provide, anything like that. Uh, dig into all of that with us, your 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 connection points. Sure. So my website is nutritionwithjudy.com. You can see um, I come out with blog posts there. Uh, some of my social media does go up there, but um, my platforms for social media are Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Um, if you look for Nutrition with Judy, I'll be there. Um, but so if you want to work with me, go to nutritionwithjudy.com. Uh, my book is Carnivore Cure, C-U-R-E. And if you go to carnivorecure.com or if you go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble, all of them have my book. The paper book, uh, paperback is just on amazon.com, but the ebook is on every platform you can think of. So yeah, that's where you can find me. Very cool. Any other last minute thoughts, gents? I, I, th- I got one last question. Okay. Sure. It's just, just to see if, uh, if you've gotten any pushback from the non meat eating crowd yet. <laughs> um, not specifically for the book. I don't know if they don't know about it yet. Cause it's been exactly three weeks since it's been released, but it's, you know, been uh, well received by the carnivore community and I'm very uh, blessed for that. But, um, my, in general, my work, absolutely. Um, I definitely <laughs> dealt with uh, angry um, people that are not meat-based fans at all. Um, they've directly contacted me through email, my website. Uh, they've done some heinous things that I won't mention so that people don't get other ideas. Um, but yeah, they, um, you know, I've and I've met some people that are really, honestly, they don't agree with me and they want to have a friendly debate. And so I've met some vegans that are actually really nice, but there's been some that, um, you know, give me bad reviews, um, on Facebook and, um, on my website, they try to take it down. It's been crazy. So, you know, (laughs) I mean, it is what it is. Um, I'm, I was plant-based and I, and I just, it didn't work for me. And I can, you know, if you read the book, it kind of explains why. So yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on this one. So you got to convince me. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you again, Judy, Judy, for joining us. Uh, we are honored to have had you join us. We, we don't often invite, uh, people of the, the, the female persuasion to, to join us because we are targeted largely on, on men, but your message and the, uh, this, the resources that you're putting out into the world, whether it be your online classes or your, uh, or your book, 
uh, they're just things that we want to support. And we really uh, knew that we, we just had to have you on. We, uh, me and Berto, at least, I, I'm sure that, that Jim wants to, to, to join you and us the, the next time that he does get to come down to Texas, finally, when all of this mess is dealt with and we're able to travel and have conferences again. Uh, but um, we, we look forward to the next time that we get to have a meetup. Hopefully that will be sooner rather than later and um, here in the Austin area. And I get to, to hang out with you in person again. We will uh, we'll look forward to that. But yeah, um, thank you so much for having me. And, um, you know, I, I think the book is really it's not, you know, gender focused at all. Mm, I really true. just tried to have a support where people um, that are, you know, the thing is, a lot of people are surrounded by family and friends that are so against a meat based diet. And so it gives you the, I guess, the comfort or assurance that this diet can be a way to thrive and um, all the reasons why. And so you know, I, I hope that people read it just to improve their health. And then if one person improves their health, then they can help their community. And then it's just a trickle down effect, which I think is really powerful. Agreed. Agreed. I think that- I'm over here clapping quietly. I won't do it audibly because that'll make Chris angry. <laughs> I just meet you. I just meet you. Uh, no, we uh, uh, we we've it, this is just all really good stuff. And, and your mission aligns completely with ours. So thank you so much for joining us again. And we look forward to um, we, we look forward to being able to uh, get to see good stuff come from you as we go forward. Well, for all of us, uh, thanks again. And to everybody else, make sure to eat meat, lift heavy, sleep and repeat. Thank you for joining us for the Keto Man's Club podcast. Your support means the world to us. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Would you help us spread the word about the Keto Man's Club by sharing with your friends and family? We're available on all podcast platforms, so just search for Keto Man's Club and you'll find us. If you would like to connect with us, you can do so a number of ways. Our web address leads to our Facebook group, theketomansclub.com. That's T-H-E-K-E-T-O-M-A-N-S-C-L-U-B.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Keto Man's Club Podcast. Lastly, if you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out via email to Keto Man's Club Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you again for joining us today, and we look forward to hanging out with you again next week. <laughs>